Welcome to By Its Cover Podcast, one marriage's journey through movie night using only the covers of movies found on streaming services. I'm your host, Bree. I'm your other host, Kevin. And we're married. <laughs> we are the marital journey portion of this podcast. Oh, I like how we also have to remind people this is by its cover a podcast or a podcast <laughs> in case somebody's ever like this movie has no pictures. <laughs> it's a terrible film. I, I don't have the images. I only hear it. <laughs> Why are they talking? <laughs> all, all they do is they talk. Yeah, I want to see what they're seeing. <laughs> you do not want to see what we're seeing because today we're looking at We Summon the Darkness. Yeah. Which it's got to be pretty tough to see anything in darkness. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like my brain just thought about that. <laughs> oh, you were going to zip zap me and you didn't. <laughs> nope, because it stuttered. You're like, That's accurate. Dark is very dark. It's the opposite of light. <laughs> All right, Bree. Uh, this cover is uh, a treat. It feels like a throwback to something from uh, like an 80s movie, like a mid mid 80s film. A flick. A flick. As it were. Uh, so we got in the star, so it's a wood, woodland scene. Yes. In the stars, it says, we summon the darkness. But it's in this cool, like, glowy font, and... It's the same font that they used in, like, The Last Unicorn. Uh, it kind of reminds me of almost He-Man and She-Ra. A little bit, yeah. Like, uh, but like... notice the S in summons and the N in summon. Uh, ends with devil tales. Ooh. And the darkness, the R in darkness, uh, is a knife oh. that pierces a pentagram. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff in that. And uh, underneath the pentagram, it has the tagline that says, let us pray. But it's P-R-E-Y, meaning somebody's going to get eaten. Yes, somebody might get it. <laughs> uh, in the forest, it's a dark forest, but there's a fire in the foreground, and there is six, I'm going to assume, hooligans, maybe mm-hmm. engaging in some light Satanism. It looks like they have red solo, solo cups in their hands, and well, that they're toasting. If you are going to be uh, summoning darkness, I imagine a cool beverage maybe a bud light (laughs) not a sponsor of this podcast but hey maybe (laughs) you never know what the future holds seriously bud light get get at us if we summon the darkness (laughs) (laughs) well we'd sell our souls for that sweet bud light advertising dollars (laughs) i don't know (laughs) draw me up a contract let's see if it's amenable (laughs) it actually takes fewer zeros than you think to get her soul um (laughs) Uh, I would also like to note that the fire in which they're clearly toasting, uh, the base of it, it looks like there's a pentagram. It does, but I was also looking at the, it's in a fire pit, Mm -hmm. and it seems to be a very well done fire pit, so it's like a suburb fire pit. Yeah, it's got the nice stone work. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't... (laughs) This isn't like out in the woods woods. This is like out in Connecticut, like somebody's backyard. Do you think this is one of those really manicured backyards at a McMansion that butts right up to the wildlife reserve or something? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Nothing would be worse than suburb Satanists. <laughs> so they're all cheering. They're partying. Uh, mm-hmm. One guy, I weird because he's got a red solo cup in one hand and then two what looks like PBRs in the other hand. So he is having a good time. I believe that's Johnny Knoxville. I maybe, maybe not. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, agree to disagrees. Okay. And we also see we have uh, the on the cover. We also have some names. We have Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, yeah. Who I always forget that I've seen her in a lot of movies. Yep. <laughs> uh, Kean Johnson. Yep. Maddie Hassan, mm-hmm. Logan Miller. Mm-hmm. Feel like I should know who Logan Miller is, but I don't think I do. Uh, I don't know. Amy Forsyth. Yep. Austin Swift. Again, none of these people I know. And then Johnny Knoxville, who of course we know from Jackass. Yes. So Bree, what do you think this movie is going to be about? So I think it's going to be a group of friends in the woods that find. Somebody finds a book up in the attic of their house when they're searching for an old photo album and decide that this book that they've stumbled across that has some fun, weird rituals in it, that they want to have a good time with their friends, get a little drunk, pretend to do some magic, and then they are going to complete the ritual and release a demon from hell that murders, I'm going to say, a quarter of the town that's nearby. Uh, That is so weird you're putting a percentage on this. (laughs) Yeah, well, why not? And there's going to be some running and lots of blood, and I think someone will get slashed across the stomach at one point, and I think that we're going to have an open, ambiguous ending. Open, ambiguous ending. Are you thinking like horror movie ambiguous ending where like the monster comes back at the very yep. end and has like a final scare or final kill? Or are you thinking like open and ambiguous does the top stop spinning inception ending? Not that because I don't like that. <laughs> I'm talking about the last jump scare of, oh, okay. crap, there's going to be a sequel. All right. My prediction, uh, this is just, it's less of a prediction and more just what I want a movie to be. The Goonies. Okay. But they're adults-ish. And they think they're getting a pirate's map or a pirate's treasure map. Hmm. But really, it's taking them to a satanic ritual. Like all the points that they hit on the map to find the treasure actually make a massive uh, pentagram? Yeah, I don't know why. I just want Goonies, but... uh, A Satan adult version. Yeah, I just want to murder Goonies. Um, I just... And I want Alexander Daddario to be the one that does the truffle shuffle. (laughs) The woman has no body fat, but like... Wouldn't that be just great in that movie if everyone pretends she is fat? Like, just... (laughs) She's pretty on the eyes. She was in... I'm sorry, what? That's not even how that saying goes. <laughs> it is how my saying She's so pretty goes. that she was pretty on your eyes? Yep. Not easy on your eyes, but pretty on them. Yeah, sure. Uh, she was in Night Watcher. She was. Night Hunter. She, uh, with Henry Cavill. She 
almost got to snuggle with an emotionally distant Henry Cavill. Yeah, they never... I'm still frustrated. She was that, married in that. Oh. Remember? No. The killer was like, are you are you mad that your husband cheats oh, on you? Oh, yeah. But then... And then, like, there was no plot resolution that one went nowhere. Right. And we're like, why did that happen? <laughs> so in this one, hopefully she's single. Uh, Johnny Knoxville. Because I... Now, Johnny Knoxville is comedic legend like oh for sure jackass was such a big part of my teenage and young adult life that like i don't have anything bad to say about him plus i i think i've enjoyed everything i've seen him in where he acts uh the was it the rundown with him and uh dwayne the rock johnson no that was walking tall okay i loved walking tall with him uh but i did was the rundown with him rundown was the rock sean, and uh, uh, sean, sean william, william scott. scott uh but what was the one with the when did we get ice cream? <laughs> that was probably the most problematic movie of the middle 2000s. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, totally. The Ringer, where he played yes. a, a guy that sneaks into the Special Olympics yep. to bet on it. Yeah. Yep. That one was definitely... A- yeah, that's, a, that's one of those movies where you look back and you're like, huh. Oh, this is not How good. did we ever think that was okay? <laughs> I remember the first time I ever watched the Jackass movie, I was... Uh, with my mom and we were downstairs at our house and we were flipping through channels because it was pre, you know, when you could see what was up on the screen, like the menu of it. And we came across Jackass and it was the part in the movie where they put shocking electrodes on their balls. (laughs) And I remember my mom and I dying we laughed so hard we fell out of our chairs (laughs) so thank you johnny knoxville that man's balls have brought so many people joy and i don't say that lightly (laughs) you know what i take it back alexander diodario you're off the hook for the truffle shuffle on johnny knoxville's balls to do it Just jingle jangling at you like heavy coin purses i i actually think that this is going to be a really good movie I am cautiously optimistic. This cover doesn't do anything to make me be like, oh, this one way or the other. Yeah. Except for the fact that I definitely feel like it's going to be leaning on some like 1980s nostalgia vibes. Good. Let's do it. Bring it. I I love those unapologetic movies from the 80s where like they had batshit crazy premises and never apologized or felt the need to explain. Like one of the recent favorite of mine. And it's a terrible movie. Nobody should watch it. But it does feature the earliest appearance of Michael J. Fox is Class of 1984. Oh, God. I'm so glad you didn't make me watch this In which uh, a school, uh, basically, like, schools have disintegrated to gang warfare. And the preppiest, whitest kid you've ever met is, like, the baddest kid in the school. But, like, it's a premise that is insane. It's so stupid. It's like, no, of course that wouldn't happen. (laughs) But... The 80s are like, nah, man, fuck you. That's the way this is going to be. We don't have to say shit. It's our movie. And it makes a theme song about it that they play for like five hours in that movie. Oh, my gosh. And they were just like, it's their opening song and their closing song because they're like, this is going to be a hit. (laughs) (laughs) So if anything channels what it really is, as I feel like since 80s were so big on cocaine Mm -hmm. is just movie execs got so hopped up on the Colombian Bam Bam. That they just greenlit every movie, and I need this movie to have that energy. <laughs> if this gives me like a disco in the eighties kind of vibe, uh-huh. freaking rock on! I'm there for it the whole way. Do you think anybody will wear roller skates in this movie? 
Oh, what if the devil wears... I don't know why we're assuming it's the devil, but what if the devil wears roller skates? And hot pants. <laughs> He's in hell, Brie. Every pants a hot pants in hell. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Caught you on that one. Well played, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, also, I'm just going to throw this out there. If this movie goes into left field and becomes about, like, Cthulhu, love it even more. Y'all all right? Yep, I'm good. Are you? Some would say you're the best. Oh. All right, Bree, any other predictions? I have no other predictions. No, you were very thorough. Quarter of the town and a belly stabbing. <laughs> uh, I just want Goonies, but with murder. More murder. I guess there are several people who get murdered in the Goonies. <laughs> Chunk had to live in a refrigerator with one. Yep. You don't know what I'm referring to, do you? I haven't watched the Goonies in a long time. Okay, well, uh, so guess what you're doing now? We're actually going to pause this podcast, come back when we watch the Goonies. Mm. Yeah. I'd rather we watch We Summon the Darkness. Okay, I guess we'll go watch We Summon the Darkness. And I think it's on Netflix. Okay, if not, it's on a streaming service that we'll mention when we get back. Okay, let's go watch a movie. And we are back, having just watched We Summon the Darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. You got, got no mm-hms? You can use words. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm disappointed. You know what we weren't disappointed in? What's that? The snacks. Yeah. Good old snacks. <laughs> what did you have, Brie? I had a bowl of Frosted Flakes cereal. It was, was it good enough to be considered good? Great. <laughs> They're great. As they were Tony, okay. Tony the Tiger would say. I mean, it, it's corn with sugar on top. It's not like <laughs> it's a masterpiece of culinary delights. It brings back the nostalgia of my childhood. I had a chicken pot pie, which was also nostalgic, which uh, this movie should have been nostalgic for us, and it was not. We watched We Summoned the Darkness. Yep. It had a, people in it we should have liked. Yeah. Um... And we didn't? I would just say it was lackluster. It's not so much that I did, didn't enjoy the acting. I mean, the I think the problem is, is it was summarized as a 1980s hairband satanic ritual movie. And I was just so looking forward to that. And there was no 80s. They had one song, Belinda Carlisle's. Um, heaven is a place on earth and that was the only time I felt rocking for the 80s in it yeah I mean there's some like metal trivia if you were a metal person in the 80s about like members of Metallica switching out or Mm -hmm. dying or living I don't actually know Metallica's history I was two when this movie was set so yeah I mean I'm old but I'm not that old but also I felt like I should have like it just if you're gonna paint something in the 80s make me feel like it's the 80s yeah i mean alexandra daddario had crimped hair so that was a very 80s style um the blonde that actually uses hairspray it was not aquanet which is a bright blue bottle um and her hair was definitely more like beach waves that you would see from the 90s not not 80s hair yeah, I, I love how you're like, I just didn't like the aesthetic choices in this movie, uh, which is accurate. Uh, it just, 
They had a couple old boxes of Twinkies. They had a cassette player. I mean, they had some trappings of it. But really, if you're going to make a movie about 80s, like have it start with 80s bands and traveling with bands and to not have music be a large factor in it. I mean, I I guess I was just disappointed. The soundtrack could have been a, a lot better. Yeah, it uh, it definitely felt like it felt like Spirit Week, mm-hmm. whereas eighties flashback, and you know we're all gonna enjoy a a, a, a tab cola and uh, you know hair or what was the hairspray, the big one in the eighties? Aquanet. Aquanet. Yeah, we're all gonna use Aquanet and. You know, we're all going to reference Slayer. Yeah, I mean, I guess they had, like, Pabst Blue Ribbon, but it was, like, exactly how it looks today. <laughs> and the shame is, like, Pabst Blue Ribbon, yeah, go to any bar, and a hipster's drinking it, and yeah. it hasn't changed, I guess. <laughs> there that's kind of cheating. There wasn't much that actually set it aside from what current hipster culture is. Yeah, the only thing that was they, they referenced Ding Dongs a couple times, and I'm like, that is the, the underappreciated hostess product. <laughs> Um, there were some TVs in it that showed very 80s stylized TV um, of playing in the backgrounds and stuff. And I, I mean, there were some aesthetics, but overall it didn't it didn't feel immersive of the 80s. All right. So now that you're done picking on the poor set designers I'm sorry. Uh, and costumers <laughs> and makeup artists. Uh, the actual plot of this movie, <laughs> the Which thing that you actually watch them for, was pretty disappointing too. I think disappointed just sums up your feelings in general. It was because I was so looking forward to this movie. Yeah. So, a uh, quick run through on the plot of this: it is uh, a three group or three female friends, mm-hmm. uh, Val, Alexis, Val, and, and Beverly. Beverly, all are traveling to a uh, heavy metal concert. Mm-hmm. And it's in the Midwest, and they find out that there's a series of grisly murders, satanic, satanic. rituals, yep. that are murders that are happening. Um, and there's a across the heartland. Yeah, they say there's a uh, TV evangelist preacher that is saying like the music of Satan is driving these. Yeah, he's doing his you know fire and brimstone speech. They meet up with three guys. Ivan, Kovac, and Mark. Yeah, Kovacs. Kovacs, yeah. And, and Mark. Yep. And at the concert, and they all they have a fun time. They agree to go back to Alexis's dad's house. Yep, which is like this McMansion in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, and uh, they party, and then Beverly has some hesitation about it. She's obvious. She's said to be the new one. Which, at that point, I was like, oh, they're the ones killing. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it ends up being is the, the satanic ritual people are Beverly, Alexis, and Val. Um, and they're, the, the, the movie wants you to feel like the big twist is that they're not actually Satan worshipers. It's not like they're trying to summon the devil or right. summon the darkness. They're doing it as like a false flag operation as part of a religious yeah. Uh, group that's trying to kill enough people and make enough people scared that they seek out religion. Yes, and of course, uh, two of them escape, or two of the captive men escape. Mm-hmm. Um, well, escape as in out of the chairs they were yeah. tied in, 
but into a pantry where they were locked in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, basically it's <laughs> Alexis and Val. Beverly has some misgivings mm-hmm. trying to get these guys out of there so they can kill them. Um, and hijinks ensue, yeah. but they're not really hijinks. They're, um, I guess to me it was felt stock standard, really. Like these are just beats that have to happen. Mm-hmm. A police officer has to get called. A uh, parent, you know, Alexis's stepmom shows up. Um, right. And then the movie needs to have another twist where it's actually, oh, the preacher you saw on TV played by Johnny Knoxville in such an unfortunately subdued performance. Yeah, it was I mean, he wasn't even ostentatious in the trappings of an evangelical preacher. He was kind of morose almost. Yeah, he was very uh, somber, low-key. I mean, I just, I'm like, if you cast Johnny Knoxville, like, I've seen this guy in comedic works and being semi-serious that I actually really enjoy. Right. Um, you don't let him ham it up a little bit. You don't let him go a little camp. Like, right. to me, it's like that's bringing in Nicolas Cage and not letting Nick, Being, Nick, Nick Cage himself. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I, you know, kind of like, why'd you even cast him then? Why not just get some other, like, classically handsome dude? Not saying Johnny Knoxville's classically handsome, but like, <laughs> th- there's a lot of actors you could have filled in for that. Somebody like, that was charming and could, like, you would think people would follow. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it was a stunt casting because I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss his ability as an actor. Right. He's fine. It's just, why cast him then? Like, they're... Utilize him to his yeah. full potential. And that's kind of how I felt with Alexandra Daddario, too. I feel so bad. I, I really like her as an actress. Yeah. Um, I've always enjoyed her roles, even though I'm like, well, they don't really give her much to do. Right. Uh, but she just I thought cannot... she was awesome in Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Baywatch itself was kind of eh. <laughs> so it's, she just never gets in a project where I think she can be like a standout. Yeah. Um, to be fair, we haven't seen all her filmography, though. Uh, I mean, I have. Uh, no, you You haven't. go to sleep early. I stay <laughs> up late and watch Alexandra Daddario movies. Every time thinking, you know who should be in this? Gina Carano's. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the twist is that, of course, it uh, Alexis, Alexandra Daddario's character, is his daughter. Yeah. And he uh, accuses her of screwing everything up. Now nobody's going to believe. He calls her Reckless Alexis. Yeah, because she, remember what they called you when you wrecked your bike? And she's like, Reckless Alexis? And she thinks it's this like charming bonding moment. And he's oh, like, yeah, that, that's what you're being. And he kills her. Yeah. Well, well tries to. He, Yeah, he strangles her is yeah. in the process of strangling her and telling her how she's going to be a martyr for the cause because he set this all up so people will see that he he's such a good person and they need to follow him because he's had such a tragic story yeah uh, uh can i can i just say this movie um is competently done yeah it, it's it's 90 minutes of a horror thriller my only my biggest beef with it besides like come on man you couldn't have paid for some 80s music right uh 80s metal 80s pop 80s rock like you could have had it you have references to it so like include it but um is this plot does nothing unique with what it's got i think the only thing that although we saw it coming pretty quickly i did appreciate the fact that they had um the killers be the females not the they were the victims. 
Yeah, but when you basically have them being like sirens and seducing men to their death, yeah, it's not really a new twist on it. Well, that I agree with for sure. Um, and then also it's just, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not defending like evangelical preachers no. by any means, like no, gross. But like that's a group that it's so easy to, yeah, pick on. You're not you're not changing anybody, anybody's mind about that group. Like if this would have come out in '94. Or, you know, even in the 80s itself, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, stick it to that group. Yeah. But it's 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 2020. Um, it, if you don't know they're exploitive, if you don't know they're just taking your money, you probably don't care. And you wouldn't watch this movie anyways. Right. So uh, I don't quite get kicking that group. Um, I also just think, like, Red State already did this with the evangelical cult that's killing people. And Red State at least had the twist of they were actually right. The apocalypse does happen. Yeah, and see, that's what I was really hoping for, is it like an actual supernatural twist. Yeah, no supernatural twist. Uh, and then it was really weird. But you know, I, that's who I am, though. I yeah. really, I enjoy those kind of things. And I don't I don't mind movies that are like, hey, man is actually the real monster. I know. We, um, we all know that you like that. I know. I love that <laughs> phrase, too. It just sounds so English teachery. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things like I don't I don't hate that as a as a as a plot right. point like but it would have been more interesting if they would have tried to convince the guys it was a satanic ritual and, and then we didn't revealed even get that like they they had all the trap that's the thing they had all the trappings of the satanic ritual and then we didn't even get like any actual them trying to start it it was just like oh no we put these up so people will follow our evangelical preacher dude. And not to be a, like a, not to be a, a nitpicker in the dialogue but if you're part of a religious group that believes so much in saving people's souls that you will murder people to to act as like again a false flag to act as like fill or to drive people to church but you're gonna swear a bunch mm-hmm. and make really overt sexual references that you're like, that doesn't fit. Like that's not what a religious zealot does. Yeah, it it was. Um... Especially when it's like Alexandria Daddario, Alexis is, or Alexis. Meet you meet her stepmom, and her stepmom is just like doing lines of coke. Yeah, and yeah. very vain. But you know what? Though we do find out. Beverly takes a little trip out to the um, barn to because she was told to go find a weapon of some sort, which we're going to have to talk about the weapon um, that she finds because it's the most absurd thing ever. Uh, But she's searching around for something and she comes across an old tackle box and in the tackle box is a bunch of cash. But also she comes across like certificates of sale for a bunch of properties which she tells Alexis, like, your dad is not doing anything good with this money. He's just lining his own pockets, essentially. So I'm not all that surprised that the stepmom is vain and yeah, and coke dealery and, and all this stuff. Because it's very clear that although he's a evangelical preacher and he's got a bunch of girls brainwashed called the Daughters of Dawn... Uh, he's really just in it to get more money. Yeah, but again, it's like it's a thing we know. It's like it, right. It's, yeah, finding out that uh, a person would use religion to exploit people. Holy, oh, that is <laughs> Imagine shocking. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, who knew? Yeah, I don't think I don't think the world's ready for that. In yeah. this TED talk. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it makes it sound like we're like 
condescending 14 year old atheist being like well actually <laughs> if you read the bible um but it's just it, i've i felt i've seen this movie done before um and again it's fine if this if this was my first exposure to this kind of theme mm-hmm. i'd be fine with it yep um but I, it, it's just happened so much that cool you're all it almost felt like dogpiling a little bit like i was like man did you make me sympathetic towards like <laughs> hecka religious people <laughs> did you make me like feel bad for somebody that gave a hundred dollars to, to a like televangelist how, i like how you said hecka instead yeah, of hella well, I, I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to live my life uh, right, did it put you on the good path <laughs> no it didn't uh speaking of, so i think that um my, one of my problems with this movie, uh, I know you had an issue with it too. I think kind of becomes a, a, a symbol or a metaphor for how this movie thinks it's cleverer than what it is. Uh, really thinks it's like I'm going to give you an eye opening. Uh, is the weapon that Beverly finds? Oh God! So she's tasked. She's a tiny girl too. Yeah. She's I- tasked with finding a. Weapon to break down the pantry door that Mark and Kovacs have locked themselves behind. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of made me laugh because I'm like, they actually had some really good ideas of getting them out, which was yeah. like the bug bomb and the fire. I was like, mm, you don't need Beverly to go get anything. You were just sending her on a, 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 a goose chase. Yeah. Like they just needed to get her out of the room because like also who keeps deeds in a tackle box in a shed? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is he had cash in the deeds and yeah. no, that's not where. Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, she comes back with an outboard motor for a boat. Yeah. Which has a tiny ass propeller. on Yeah. It. And she's like using it like it's a weed whacker, just swinging it around. Not a large propeller. That just... thing had to have been heavy, though. As... I, <laughs> I mean, that's why it's like it's clearly a prop. And again, it was one of those like. Oh, it's going to be badass. She's going to come in with a boat motor. She's going to like swing it around and like cuz she she drops it two or three times. Every yeah. time picks it back up and she uses it to like club Johnny Knoxville in the face and swings it around. It um, It reminds me of that scene in that one Peter Jackson movie. Dead Alive? Yes, where With she, the lawnmower? Yes. So yeah, if this movie were a a horror comedy, uh-huh. which I really think I really think give the script another rewrite, add in some freaking jokes, have somebody punch it up. I would have loved it. I yes. would have loved it. Like, totally let Johnny Knoxville be comedic. We know Alexander Daddario can do comedy. Heck yeah. Um, freaking would have loved that. Yep. Uh, I bet you that Ivan guy, I don't know why. Uh, he basically looked like um, Kevin Heffernan from uh, Super Troopers. Oh, yeah, Farva. yeah. He looked like a young version of Farva. Yep. <laughs> uh, you either needed to go hard comedy or hard supernatural yeah you needed to really lean into the horror or you needed to lean into there wasn't i don't think i had a single jump scare in this it's because it's not it was it was it was a political commentary it wasn't even like a real maybe it was a political satire Mm -hmm. uh masquerading as a horror movie yeah um but she's uses this freaking boat motor and again i like i swear to god script writer was like oh this is gonna be great i love this he's just stroking his ego thinking about that two-stroke motor and everyone's gonna be like look at how inventive that was and it's not it just looks clunky and awkward and we're also like i feel like i've seen this before you know you got the dead alive vibes that's what i got too mm-hmm. i got um later stage friday the 13th vibes where they're like jason has killed people with fucking everything <laughs> 
And it's just some guy like walking. There were a lot of weapons in this, yeah. though. <laughs> it's just some guy walking down a hardware aisle being like, fuck. I can't. He's used a hammer. He's used a machete. <laughs> he's in, where he goes to the fishing. I was like, fucking motor. Oh, thank you. God, I was. <laughs> well, I thought part 20 was going to be the one that wore Fly us out. fishing was <laughs> not going to happen. Oh, God, I was going to have to kill a guy with a, a pocket fisherman. <laughs> a big, big bass, Billy bass. <laughs> he's just staring at a guy, a boning tool in one hand and like five bobbers in the other. And he's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that whew. was what they were trying to do was thank yeah. you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, and it bothers me because there's also a real life cult that kind of never stooped into the murder. Yeah. But like sent young women out to prostitute themselves Aww. to try to bring people into the cult. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm just like, again, I'm like, this doesn't feel. Was that the Manson fresh. family? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, no, there was actually like a religious cult that Aww. got real weird real quick. Like, makes well, me sad. <laughs> I make it sound like a religious cult rather than all religious cults get a little weird real quick. <laughs> I think the thing for me is, you know, there there was a huge body count relative to the cast size. Yep. Um, we only there are only three survivors, uh, two of which one is uh, Beverly and the other is. Mark. Yeah, and he never gets, or in Johnny Knoxville's character stays alive. Right. He never gets any sort of comeuppance. Nope. He he gets exactly what he wanted to. Yeah. Because Alexis is dead, and there's a bunch of murders in his house, and people are sympathetic, and there was the satanic setup, so. Yeah, and he kind of is able to, like, turn around and blame Beverly and Mark for everything. Yeah, which, of course, they're on the run, and she has the tackle box full of cash. Yeah. So... You know, they're probably going out to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. No, because, no, like, again, police identify any of the people, they're going to know. And he also knows Beverly. He can just be like, my daughter fell in with this girl. Yeah. Like, Which so, it's made it, very clear that she's like a runaway, homeless, yeah. didn't grow up with a lot. And so they definitely took advantage of somebody that was in a vulnerable state. Yeah. And again, it, uh, a different movie would have had a different commentary. Yeah. Like they would have focused on how messed up the brainwashing was, whereas they kind of gloss over it in this, mm-hmm. uh, and they just kind of, yeah, I could, I could talk about how this felt like a misstep, but let's actually talk about, um, what would, what, what would you have changed in the cover to make it reflect the movie we got? Um, I think I would have done boat motor. Uh, I would have done an upside down cross and then have it reflected as an actual right side up cross as opposed to the flip flop. Um, and I, I think I'd leave the fire pit because there was, it was there. Um, it was the first true scene where they were all just hanging out. Yeah. And we were right. It was a posh fire pit. It was a posh fire pit. It was not, they were not in the woods. They were in the fancy McMansion's backyard. Um, I, I don't think I'd have them standing around the fire pit like that. Uh, maybe in the flames is where I'd have the reflecting crosses. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I would have done an inverted cross. I would have put the girls on the top mm-hmm. staggered so they kind of framed the, the cross. Mm-hmm. And the guys staggered on the bottom to frame the top of the, the inverted cross. Mm-hmm. 
um, and kind of played around with some shadows and light to make that look so it, it showed the cross upside down with the girls, like it pointing at gotcha. Alexis. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? That's such a terrible description. So have her set back so she's the long part of the cross. Oh, okay. And, you know, gotcha. and then have the guys stacked so they make the other parts of it kind of with a shadow. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's even doable, but I was like, I doodled it and I was like, I like it. Uh, so I'm sticking with it because I, I think um, this is, it's not, it's not like the movie builds two hours of tension and then it's like, oh, it's going to pull a sleepaway camp or something where you're like, oh my God, that was the twist. It tells you in the first 10 minutes. Um, Maybe 15. Yeah. But it, it's like, it and doesn't And then the rest it. of it kind of becomes an action movie almost. Yeah, again, it becomes it becomes a thriller. Yeah, it, it's basically there we go. That's the that's a eighties version of Panic Room. Except um, there's no freaking eighties or synthwave. Uh, there's, I mean, there's some some synth, but not enough. Um, I think the thing I want to talk about is what would you have done to make this movie match the cover that we saw? Ooh, ooh, I like this flip. Yeah. Okay. Well, we kind of do that in the intro. And honestly, I can't remember what I said in the intro. So if I repeat myself, sorry, but you're stuck with it. Um, you have to stick around until we tell you what our social media handles are. That's just the rules. You started it. We keep going. Um, I would. I do like the flip where the girls are the ones in power. But I, when when we figured that out, which was, once again, not very far into the movie, I would have liked them to actually be witches and have powers and they are actually tracking down um because the guys in the beginning of the movie throw a chocolate milkshake on their on their jeep as they're driving by Mm -hmm. and so they're it's kind of implied that they're douchebags but then they end up being fairly nice yeah it's it's one of those like innocent pranks that but doesn't damn someone but it does i almost wish that they actually didn't end up being nice guys and the witches were tracking them down for um, doing sins in against women in the past and making them pay for it uh, in fun and creative and mystical ways. Fun and creative, mystical ways. Yep. All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. What about you? Okay. This is, uh, if I were doing this as a horror comedy, here's my pitch. I just want to let you know, you threw me on like a curveball asking me to do that and you've clearly been thinking about this and plotting it so whatever you come up with is going to be stellar and i just came up with mine off the cuff so please remember that as you're listening to this people i want to make two points very clear one suck it it's our podcast i do what i want (laughs) two uh baby yes love i love you so much for assuming that i plan anything that far ahead (laughs) um i plan to love you forever you literally watched me today like five minutes before lunch my lunch break ended being like i should probably eat something i'll make some food and you're like you don't have time what are you doing stop doing that uh so here's the deal like uh i think horror comedy pitch okay they are both in satan cults Competing Satan cults? Competing Satan cults. <gasps> I love this idea so much. They both summon the devil. <gasps> like, they both trick. They think they're tricking the other group into, like, the sacrifice, and they, like, summon Satan, and they're like, 
Satan, we brought you these three women souls. And they're like, Satan, we brought these three dude souls. And Satan's like, look, you both called me here. Somebody needs to die. And then it pits the gangs or the cults, like the cult group against each other. I love that. In a series of like hijinks. He's like, you have until dawn. If one group isn't all wiped out, then I kill all of you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I oh, love that right? so much. That was one of those ones where I'm like, I'm going to go back and edit this out of the podcast because it's mine. You can't have we it. We got this. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be great. I totally agree. So that's my pitch for We Summon the Darkness. And it's collaborative we. And 80s music. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, here's the kicker. What? Satan. Like throws a jam at the Is end. Is it Dave Grohl? Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like Tenacious D already did that one. I know, which is but, why it would be even funnier. We could have Tenacious D and Oh, what if they're metal bands and you get like a David Bowie impersonator to be Satan and he's like, I hate this shit. Stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Dave Grohl one. I know, you just want to meet Dave Grohl. I I just think that that would be hilarious. What if he had two minions and it was is it Kevin and Jack? What's the what's the one guy's name in? Kyle. Kyle. There we go. I knew it was a K. Uh, Kyle and Jack were like his minions. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would. Or okay, you don't like this. I, there's two comedians I would I would cast in this to play Satan. Maybe at alternating times. <laughs> but no. Two what comedians. If, what if the different factions, the g- girls and the guys, saw two different looking Satans based Ooh. on what they're. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Okay. So one of them would be Kyle Kinane. Okay. Because he's just got this gruff, like, oh, uh, man, I don't give a shit. Uh, you guys out, kill, kill each other. I don't care. Okay. Or Ron Funches. <gasps> I love Ron Funches. Would you not love a giggling oh, Ron Funches Satan? My gosh. I love this idea yeah. so much. So Hollywood, get at your boy. Yeah. Um, I've done the hard heavy lifting. I came up with the idea. Yep. The script writes itself. <laughs> uh, it's just going to be five pages of and run Funches giggles murder directions. <laughs> I'll let him improv it. He could do it. Yeah. All right. I think I think that wraps up. We summon the darkness. Yeah. Uh, we summon some pluggables right now. Bree, where can people find us on our socials? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at By Its Cover Pod, on Facebook at By Its Cover Podcast, and you can find Kevin at Kevin underscore Egg on Twitter and Instagram, or Kevin Eggleston on Facebook. And I personally do not recommend this movie. Kevin, what about you? It's fine if, like I said, and I don't, um, Red State's not a better movie, mm-hmm. but it at least has enough twist where I'm like, I would, I would rather watch that. I don't actually know what that movie is, but. Uh, Kevin Smith, uh, guys go to meet up with a lady to have anonymous sex, and she actually was like part of a re- hard religious right cult Oh, that keeps them and tortures them. Oh. And then, like, they get released, and the police all surround the cult to kill them. Uh-huh. And the horn of Armageddon, so the cult was right, yeah. or happens, and the person's head blows up, and it's like, no, the rapture does happen. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, that was Red State in a couple seconds. <laughs> this podcast is over. 
<gasps> yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you, folks. Okay, bye. Bye.